Hey, everybody. We want to thank you all who have supported the show. And anybody who is interested in supporting the show can check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash xchateau, or you can find the link on xchateau.com. We have over 100 episodes, and by becoming a patron, you can get access to 100-plus episodes. Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights. With your host, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. Welcome to this episode of X Chateau. Today we're going to be exploring a hospitality driven business model for a winery in Texas. And our guest is Ava Horton, the owner of Flat Creek Estate. Ava, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you please give me and Peter a brief overview of your background? Sure. I would love to say I'm a native Texan, but if I say that out loud, I'm sure I would not be able to be let back in my home. My daddy, and I still call him daddy, yes, would ostracize and say, no, I'm from Oklahoma originally. So there's some rivalry there, but I was able to get let out (laughs) and attend University of Texas. That's where I started. And I actually started my career with Goldman Sachs in Dallas. I was real estate. I continued that career to build a real estate career over the years through both coasts. I was LA back in Atlanta and continued to still actually work for the real estate arm of Cantor Fitzgerald, which is now Newmark. That is my profession as a real estate broker and developer. Back in 2020, I was able to come home around 17 and get back into Texas market with real estate. But in 2020, we bought a house out in Lake Travis in Austin, what was supposed to be a COVID home, you know, get away from the city, get away from people, live on the lake and started going to this little winery named Flat Creek as a guest, just going out and got a phone call and said, Hey, you know, that winery's for sale and took me about 20 minutes to hunt down the broker, make a phone call, have a meeting on a Monday, went under contract on a Friday. And before I knew it, I was a winery owner, <laughs> still doing real estate, still doing everything that I do with Dallas and Houston and through the country. But now this last 12 months have definitely been focused on winery driven business. So from real estate background to buying a winery, I'm sure there had to be some <laughs> steps in between that because it seems like you moved very fast. Were you already in love with the wines? Were you already in love with wine in general? Did you understand the aspects of the business? Like, How did you get to that conclusion so quickly? I've always been intrigued with the business of winery. I've been the typical going out to Napa all the time, visiting. And dear friends of mine, they say they're in the wholesale business, but it's a wine club type of driven. So we were able to really visit those wineries that you never hear of and get behind the scenes and ones that most people would never even tour and don't have signs up. And it intrigued me. That's where I really learned enough just to say I'm a novice at it, but was interested in the business and all the aspects with it. So I always kind of laughed about, yeah, one day, you know, I'm going to go down to Paso Robles because it's closer to the beach and have a little winery and live on the water. So when this opportunity came up, if I say I had a lot to learn, that's an understatement. Clearly I do and still do. And I'm smart enough to surround myself with the people who know more than I do about this situation, but I knew enough to say, okay, I can play in this world. The winery in the big scheme of things is going to be a destination. That's really where we're going. Our drive for this is to be a world-class destination, not just a Texas winery. And that's where I saw the potential. The bones were there. Where it's located was perfect. We can kind of get into that in a little bit too, but 
when I saw it, it was a passion project for the winery itself, but it's also a development. It's a real estate development play as we grow this up and it had the potential to do that. And that is a rare find anywhere, not just in Texas, but anywhere that you actually start with something very substantial, but you have the land around it. You have the ability to build and to grow from what you started without additional acquisitions, without parceling things, you know, putting things together. Not that that's impossible to do, but it definitely changes the dynamics when when you're looking at your performance. Just for a little context, since at least I've never been to Texas wine country before. I don't know about Robert. Oh, me either. Where is it in Texas and what kind of wine does it specialize in? Well, the Texas wine country in itself would really be classified as the west of Austin area between Austin and Fredericksburg. That is really what started what they're calling the Texas Wine Trail. A lot like Silverado Trail, when you think about that. It's the 290 corridor that goes out to the west. As it has expanded, it's actually expanded to the north and into the hill country. So the Texas hill country is this whole area north and west of Austin. So we're in central Texas. Austin would be considered right in the middle of Texas hill country. And then the wine country becomes that 290 corridor going out toward Fredericksburg. It's three hours from Dallas. It's three hours from Houston and about an hour from San Antonio. And so how far is it from Austin? 45 minutes from Austin. So if you were just headed, and this is whether you go to Flat Creek or you head out to the Fredericksburg Trail, they're different. So, you know, you asked about wine, what everything is grown here. The Fredericksburg Trail tends to be flatter. That's down there. They mostly are European varietals and Spanish varietals. With Flat Creek, we get the beauty of being more elevated. We are actually located off the trail. So we're on the north side of Lake Travis. So if you were looking at a map of Austin, Lake Travis is just north of Austin. And that whole area has been growing up. We sit on the north side. So we actually get the benefit of the hills. That allows us to grow a different varietal. All of our varietals are Italian. That's what we focus on. We're a Texas winery, but we really position ourselves as the old world vineyards. It's the Monte Pucciano, it's Tempranillo, we have Syrah, we have Sangiovese, Pinot Grigio. They grow really well. We don't try to do something we can't do well here. We have limestone soil, we have hilly terrain and cooler climates. We're a little bit different from the trail. And one of the things that we love about being that is no different than the Silverado Trail, Napa Trail, is people stop in and they move on and they stop in and they move on. They come in for tastings. They may hit five of them in a day. We're one of one. When you come out to the estate, you're there for three, four hours. Our average stay is around that. So you're making an experience. But that is kind of the definition of the trail, that Johnson City, you know, all the way to Fredericksburg. And so for Flat Creek Estate, how big is the state, both in terms of acreage, but also bottles produced? The estate is 80 acres total. We have approximately 26 acres planted. Right now we're producing off of 18 of the acres. The others are still in production that we'll pull in later. From those, we actually have three different venues on the estate, which is something that you will see is very different than a lot of wineries, not just in Texas, but you will also see that it's different in the California wineries, where we offer a full winery tasting room, just like any other winery would. But we also have a full operating restaurant that is on there, branded Alera. And then we have a pavilion that is activated, live music, arts entertainment, 
So we do actually have the three venues. We're capable right now of producing just over 10,000 cases of wine. In the past, our year, our history is somewhere 4,500 to 6,000, depends on the year and what we're doing with them. The plan is definitely to exceed that 10,000. And we're already making plans to do that. And not only just with the estate wine, but you know, also if we need to purchase juice from you know, other vendors. So that's the capability right now. So in terms of just positioning, again, I don't know the Texas wine market that well. How are your wines positioned price wine? Like what's the average price of a bottle and how does that compare to like your neighbors? I'm just curious. One of the things that has definitely been up for discussion with the wine groups in Texas and outside is the pricing of Texas wine. You will see that most of the Texas wines priced along the trail will be lower than our pricing. Our typical whites are a $30 bottle of whites. Our reds are somewhere between a $40 and a $50 red. We position that. We believe in our product. We know that it's a world-class wine. We partner with different winemakers, one out of California, John Hofflinger, that is consulting. We also have a new winemaker. And so that we're not trying to compete with them. We're not trying to play in the Texas wine. We are definitely elite and stand on our own. We're one of one. You come out to visit us. It's part of the experience. We are very picky about our reds and what we put out, very select on our varietals that we do. What we see and what we know in general is there's a lot of red blends. There's a lot of things that people have never heard of. And so part of the image of Texas wine is to understand what they're drinking. Most of the time when you put varietals on the Texas wines that no one's heard of, it's hard to price them or you can sell them. Italian varietals tend to get a little bit more respect because you know them. You know, if you say a Montepulciano, not everybody will know it, but a lot will. If you say a Sangiovese, they know that. If you say Tempranillo, they're easier, they're known varietals. That's really what our customer comes for. Bringing people out to visit is a big part of how people get familiar with Flat Creek and the other wineries in the region. What are the reasons most people come to visit Texas wine country and where do they come from? Is it mostly locals or do people fly in to visit? The majority, I would say, definitely come from our Texas region right now. The Houstons, the Austins, the San Antonios. They're drivable. It's easy. They come to spend a weekend. Over the years, as Austin has definitely been more of a destination city for New York, California, Florida, we're seeing those now trickle down to the wine trails in Texas wine country, only because it's getting more notoriety. Back in the day, the Texas wine country has been around for years and years, but it was like anything else. You go out, it's a couple of little country barns and you drink wine and you go to maybe the Fredericksburg Pumpkin Fest or something. That has changed because money has come in and people are realizing that this is an industry that's growing here. We're number three in the country right now. And it's continuing to grow. Last I checked, I think we had 80 additional permits just this year for new wineries in the area. In the wine country as a whole, what's happening is is more people are flooding to Austin in general. And then they're looking for things to do. You know, where do I go? What do I do while I'm here? So that adds an additional bonus. So it's not just the, we're going to go to the Texas wine country area, but we're also going to Austin. So we're going to spend a day out in the country The same way Lake Travis brings people, visitors up, they'll come and spend a day on the lake. They can rent boats. They have all kinds of ways to get on the lake. They're oasis. You know, there's a lot of different draws. 
people are coming to Central Texas because it doesn't look like any other place in Texas. When you drive out here, you could be in Santa Barbara. It is very California-like when you drive through the country. So that's why there's a draw to Austin. And then as that draw to Austin continues to expand, you need more things to do. So it is bringing these people out here. When you say you're number three in the country, what are you referring to? What metric? In the actual number of wineries in the state. Oh, got it. Okay, number of wineries in the state. For Flat Creek, for people to come see us, it's different. We have to promote it differently than if we were just along the wine trail. No different than if, you know, the Napa wineries that aren't located where you just, oh, I saw a sign and I pulled in. Who are they? People come to us because they have found us. They don't stumble onto Flat Creek. You're not driving the 45 minutes out and hoping to find a winery. Our creation is destination. It's entertainment. It's a destination. You're choosing to come out there. Our goal and what I try to do is to make sure that that experience, what is your experience when you come out here? Why come out here versus going to the wine trail and hitting five or six different wineries in the day and going home? Why would you choose to come to our winery? And it's a different marketing plan than what the wine trail has. And so what are all the different offerings in the experience that you offer at Flat Creek? What we want to do is when you come out here, one, we always look for repeat business. What keeps people coming back? If it's only the tastings, then that's one thing. If it was just a restaurant, that's another. So what we try to do is create different destinations for each time you come out. If sometimes you're out with your girlfriends, you may be in the taste rooms. The three establishments on the property is the winery. And we have a full tasting room, outdoor seating, fire pits. It is definitely not the tasting room where you pony up at the bar and someone gives you tastings. It is barrels. It's an entertainment. People are there even in the tasting room for two hours of just eating and snacking and learning about wine. And that doesn't count the private parties in the port room and barrel tasting that we offer as well. You can do that. Or you go into Alara. Alara is our branded restaurant. Um, It is a full service restaurant. It actually serves other things other than our wine. When I say that, our wine is the only wine that is served there, but it does have alcohol. You can get other cocktails. We have a wonderful brunch from 11 to 2, champagne brunch, you know, mimosas. And then you have the third venue that is the pavilion. It's live music on the weekends. It's food. It's a different menu than the restaurant. So some days you just come out with your dog and kids are welcome. Sit around the fire pits. We have a beautiful fireplace. Each venue offers something different. And then on top of that, we actually have an 18 course disc golf course. I will be the first to say I chuckled about it a little bit and called it Frisbee Golf once. I will never do that again. Talk to a person who actually has a bag with 20 discs in it and call it Frisbee golf and see the scour on his face. So I learned really quickly, and this is a PGA qualified course. I did not know that exists. So they're out. We get kudos on our course all the time, but not even just for the disc golfers. We're basically like a winery in the park. What's beautiful is you can take your wine. You can walk the trails. If you just follow the map of the course, take it down to the pecan grove and sit down there and drink wine and hang out. You can walk it. There's a spring-fed lake area, a water feature that's on it. It's a little bit for everybody. And we wanted it to be that way. And it also says, next time I'll come back, maybe it's a date night. Maybe it's my whole family's in town and the dogs and the kids and everybody 
can come and play the next time it's with your girlfriends or your guy friends. You know, you'd be surprised how many guy groups coming out and hanging out and drinking wine and doing what you do, you know, just with friends. And the next time it's a different experience. And so not many wineries can offer that. Most are, you go, you get the same experience every time. We're privileged enough and we've created a destination where you come in and says, this is an experience when you come. And each time it can be a little bit different. I had someone stop me the other day that I did not recognize, I'll be honest. And they were very dressed up. She said, you don't recognize me. I was just out here a couple of weeks ago, but I had a baseball cap on and shorts and flip-flops. And I was just sitting out with my girlfriends in the pavilion and we had the best time. We spent like four hours, you know, something crazy. And I just started laughing. She's like, I washed my hair. And the funny part is that they were having dinner. They were having a sophisticated dinner in Alara. It's a beautiful, they were doing the three course pairing, but I didn't recognize her. Just totally different looking person. But that's the beauty, right? You can come out and do a little bit of anything on any given day. And that's what makes people want to come back. What we try to do. So how much do the different experiences cost and what's the average spend for someone who comes and visits? Depends on what you're doing. That's one of the things that we've really examined as well as who is our customer and what are the different options. The family with the kids can come out and get a $20, $23 bottle of wine and a $20 pizza and it will feed everybody, you know, and they can hang out and listen to music. And for 40 bucks, they've had an amazing afternoon. Our tastings are 25 a piece and you get five varietals and you get four choices of them, which is fun. So you walk in and everybody gets, hey, if you like reds, you like whites, you like bubbles. So again, 50, 60 bucks, you're good to go. If you want to eat in Alara and you want to go in and say, look, I'm having the $70 steak tonight and having a bottle of wine with it. And, you know, we have all levels with it. So we're really offering, and that goes back to what I was talking about earlier, is the different experiences offer everyone a little bit of something that says, I can spend an entire afternoon and not spend $200. But I'm happy to walk into that restaurant or over the course. We have a lot of people that do book that it's $250, $300 a day very easily because they had a tasting for two and then they went in and had brunch and then they took a bottle of wine and they sat out and hung out in the pavilion, listened to the live music for the rest of the afternoon. You know, they're going to spend three or $400 and never think twice about it. But we don't want to exclude the people who aren't going to do that, that can still come out and enjoy the afternoon and eat a pizza and drink some wine. So that kind of goes back to what are you looking for? How many people come and visit Flat Creek in here? For our purchase, you know, we're barely 12 months into the winery itself and the tasting room in certain other areas were not opened for the last few years. So we're watching that and tracking that and what our expectations are. Also, there was no marketing. There was no media out there. It was word of mouth, which was very interesting because on a given day, there would be 200 people without telling anybody. We have seen that double just on our daily activity on a Saturday without an event. We did a little shopping type of event Saturday after Thanksgiving just to kind of test it and see what was going on. And we had a thousand people out there drinking wine and we had about 40, 50 vendors, you know, just the typical pop-up white tent vendors. So we're tracking that to watch that and see where we're going with it. But on a typical weekend, again, we're getting four or 500 through there, 600 if we throw something out there just on the Saturdays and our Sundays. And we're watching that grow each week because we've actually now started putting things out there 
advertisements. There was no social media. We just laughed because the previous owners did an amazing job of building the facility, but they were in their 70s. You talk to them about Instagram or where there's a place to take a picture and they just look at you like, yeah, not happening. We're running it and we're serving pizza and wine. This is growing up now. It's time to grow it up. Do you have a goal then for how many people come visit like next year or something like that? (laughs) Yeah, part of our goal too is not just on daily traffic, but events. Yesterday, just to let you know, we had a 50 party in one area and we had another 25 people down in the tasting room. That would have never happened a year ago. It wouldn't be there. And that's on a Thursday evening. You know, so we're entertaining close to 100 people, 80, 90 people, just because one of it was our neighborhood group. So we know that these numbers are doubling and tripling. Back in January a year ago, we watched a typical Saturday with no advertising be three, 400 people, and it's still not crowded. It doesn't feel like it's overwhelming. The facility spreads people out really nicely. You're never waiting in line. You're never waiting for tables. That's the beauty, right? You can sit in multiple locations. You sit underneath the trees. So as we grow this up in this 2023, that 300, that day on a typical day will be six to eight on a normal day. And then we'll continue to grow and our traffic counts will be with more events catering to those bachelorette parties and those types of things that show up. A month ago, we had two busloads of group that came to see us and you know they had called, they had planned it, but they were just going to be outside. And it was all of the head presidents of the bar association. And so, I mean, oddly, they said, we normally do this in hotels. We always have like a fun event, but we started digging around and called you guys and our event guys are great. We let them search for these types of groups, but that would have never happened before. We didn't close the facility. It wasn't a reserved day. It was just, they will come out and we'll accommodate them under the pavilion and have live music for them. You know, there's a hundred people that walked off those buses on top of the 300 that we had just eating and drinking and hanging out. You know, so as this gets out there more, we're definitely going to see that. People come back. We had a 5K run. We offer that. You know, again, we have 300 runners. Then 300 runners bring one or two people with them just on a given Saturday. So we're definitely opening it up for those. And so that fills in those gaps. We're going to have weather. We're going to have 110 degree weather. This is Texas. It's hard to get people to sit outside on an outside patio when it's that hot. But the venue offers other areas. And so we've seen that. We went through a summer with that. People still sit outside, but our indoor activities make up for it. And just for context, how big as a percentage of your business is the hospitality? So the tasting room, the restaurant, just being at the facility versus other sales, like other wine sales, like through distribution or selling online or anything like that? Well, we're not into distribution right now. And that is 2023's goal. We are talking with groups and making that plan because it just wasn't prior to. We needed to get the facility right. The last 10 months have been remodeling and putting it out there to where when you do visit, it looks the part, the image that we're putting out there. But because of where we are and being that we are truly a experienced destination for where hospitality is a big part of what we do. So when our people who are coming out there they're coming out there not to just taste and buy. And, you know, in our tasting room, most of the people, we probably have 75% of the people that come through the tasting room that walk out with bottles. 
will taste, will buy something before it. The others that do not usually wind up going into Alera and having a dinner, having a lunch, buying a bottle there with lunch. You know, whether they take a bottle home, there's going to be a purchase somewhere. Our goal is to keep people on the property to do all three. You do your tasting, we've got you there. You have a different experience. Then you move up and you're having a bottle of wine or doing the pairings at dinner or at lunch, and then you end up in the pavilion. So that percentage there, we're always playing with obviously trying to increase how much, but it's right now, 95% of it is bought on property. And we have about a five, 10% online. That's only because we haven't started really promoting it. The online purchases from people who leave have continued to grow. We tested some things just over the holidays and put some packages together, right? And said, hey, this is coming out. It overwhelmingly went over. People love it. People order from it. No one orders online unless they have come to this state. We just don't see that. We're not in the stores. It's not something that you said, oh, I picked a bottle of Flat Creek up when I was at HEB or at Tom Thumb or whatever. That's not available to them right now. So unless they visit us, they don't know to purchase, but we're watching that percentage grow up of once you visit us and people ask, how can I get your wine? It's right here. You go online. And we're starting to see that now, that repeat business continue. And that will continue to grow. In most wineries, a lot of the goal of hospitality is to get people to sign up for the wine club. I'm assuming that's similar. I see that you have a wine club on your website. How is that hospitality going in terms of getting wine club conversions? Is that a major metric that you guys are tracking? It is. And we're no different than other wineries. That's a significant revenue stream for wineries only because it's repeat business. If you've been a part of any wine club, right? Half the time you don't even remember them until they sent you a box of wine and it shows it on your door. We're in the process right now of rebuilding the wine club. In the past, the wine club really didn't exist. It was more of a loyalty type of club if you just bought certain bottles. And so what we've got, and we do have the wine club and we have, you know, same thing. We have the three, the six, the 12. And what we're doing now is revamping that up. And part of that is building on that hospitality side of it. People in our area, unlike a lot of the California winery that they don't get to visit, they can visit us. So part of our program is rolling out what incentives for these members. So when we're talking to someone that's sitting in the tasting room and says, we're three hours away, we can come here all the time. What do we get for it? That's where that extra step of what we offer and that hospitality comes through it. Those dinners, those fun pairings that you can come back to the tasting room. That's only for the wine club on this particular Saturday. We're doing a Frank Sinatra day and we're doing small bites and we're going to do some, it's only for our members. So what we've really tried to do to get those numbers and to get that conversion rate back up of why be a wine club member? You can buy wine anywhere. We all know that, you know, you can buy it and you can get it and they'll ship it to you. Ours is that hospitality. That's where that hospitality piece steps back in, creating that experience when you're out there, creating that destination when you're out here that says, I want to be a part of that. Because I want to bring friends here. I want to come back to this and I get perks. I enjoy something that other wineries won't offer to me. I'm members of several wineries in Napa, but I don't go there. I just get wine. They ship it to my house. And when I'm there, I'll go, but they hand me a glass of wine and say, thank you. And there's not a lot going on there. Because of our location and what we're doing, a lot of our members are within drivable distance. So that is important as building that up. The ones that aren't, 
that world-class destination. I mean, that just continues to be my goal to have this, that this is going to be, this is what we are, is a world-class destination. So when you come here, you say, I want to continue to be a part of that. So whether it's getting our wines on a quarterly basis, like the typical wine club, or saying, hey, come back and visit. Are you here on this quarter? Are you here there? Come back and visit us. We're having this dinner. We're offering these kind of things. We're going to offer online things that no one else will get other than our club members. And we have to sell it like that. So what percentage of people who come to the winery join the wine club? Right now, we're close to about a 50, 40 to 50 as we're growing this up, only because we basically, our club has not been defined and set up. So what we're doing is getting everyone in the loyalty club. You basically buy your 12 bottles and you get all the perks. So that's an easy sell right now because it's like, oh, I was going to buy a case anyway. Will you ship it to my house or will you, you send it? So we were pleasantly surprised when we started working on it. When we first took it over, I would have said it probably would have been 10 to 20%. And now that we actually have our hands around it, they know about the wine, we're promoting it. We're getting a stronger conversion rate. Over the last 12 months, have you've taken over and changed a lot of the hospitality that's happening at the estate. What have you seen has been the biggest driver or incentive for people to sign up for the club? Like, obviously, you have a plan in place in terms of driving all this hospitality. What has worked the best in terms of all the different levers that you have for engaging people? What is one of the major reasons that they've signed up more from 12 months ago? A winery like this, really the most important in getting these guys in and committed to the winery and liking it is really the experience that they had on site. And that comes from our staff. We have such an amazing staff. It took me a little while to build it, but we've gotten it. And working with these people, they know there's a lot of wineries that they can be a part of. When we sell them on this or we are talking to them about the wine club, it's a lot like when you're being a part of a country club. It's one that is a reflection of them when they come. It's a reflection of them when they bring their friends. It's not all just about, here's the wine and you liked our wine. It is about, I'm a part of this. You know, whether you're looking at it on a website or you're bringing your friends out. A prime example is one of the neighbors came out yesterday and he was just buying 12 bottles for a party. And our girl had started and never really been out there that often. And the person in our tasting room that day, I mean, she's just amazing. And so she was talking about, well, are you not part of our club? And started talking to him about bring your friends here and we can offer you a private dinner and we can do some fun stuff. And immediately it became a different experience for them. Being part of the wine club is not just about, oh, okay, I can get cases of wine. It is about I'm joining a destination. I'm joining like a country club. I'm being a part of something that I'm proud to walk into my friends and say, I'm a member here. I'm part of this. Part of that's image. Part of that is the experience that he knows when he brings his people. And these are heads of big corporations, you know, ex-heads of Exxon and Halliburton and people like that are our neighbors out here that when they walk in, it has to be special. It has to be world-class it has to feel like that because they can be a member of anything that they want to be a member of. And there's plenty of wineries to choose from. It isn't about just saying, I need to get 12 bottles four times a year. This is about, I'm a part of a destination. I'm a part of this world-class club and I want to bring my friends here. I want to bring my family when they come in and visit. That's really what we're selling. And you said that 
people who become a part of the club, it's more like a loyalty program once they buy 12 bottles. Is there something else that they actually need to do to sign up or is it automatic? Once I buy 12 bottles, I get the club benefits. That's the base club that we offer. And that's why it's the easiest to actually get a a person in there. In order to maintain that level, you have to continue to buy 12 bottles in a 12-month period. It's loyalty. It says, I come back all the time. We're always buying a bottle of wine. We're always buying something, but we don't need you to ship us 12 bottles every quarter. We'll pick them up as we're here and then they get the perks. Obviously, the levels will go up. The more you buy, the more perks that you get. We're creating right now, there's actually a small building that is called Trooper's Den. It was the original tasting room on site. It's this cute little room and it's attached to the winery. That was the original winery. And that is going to be a VIP room. So if you are in our VIP club, we're creating that, you get access to Troopers. So this is kind of a fun lounge. We have TVs in that lounge. Think about it like as your cigar kind of private lounge where you go in, maybe the girls are having bubbles and the boys are watching football, whatever. And so you only get in there at a certain level. And again, that creates that private membership club. It's more elite. It's I can come here more often and I have a special place that's just for me because I do support it. I am a club member and I'm going to take my friends there because I have a special code to get in that nobody else can get in. And maybe the football games are on. We're going to go down there. So those kind of offerings heighten what we're being able to offer to people. But the loyalty club is that person who comes in, maybe it's the first time and they're like, I'm not really sure. I just drank it the first time. Okay, well, let's talk about the club levels. It's an easy sell for a club because it says, hey, if you're already taking three or four bottles home, because that's what winds up happening, right? You're in a group and they've all tasted different. One may have all the reds, one may have had all the whites, one had a bubble, one had a mix or a reserve. And then everybody's kind of like, oh, let's take this one home or we're going to do this later. Bring a bottle of bubble. Well, before you know it, you're up to six bottles. Well, it's really easy to say, hey, if you're going to do this, let's talk about the loyalty club. You buy basically another one of each one of them. You're in the club. Now you live here or you're close enough. You've driven in from San Antonio or you come back quite often. You're already in it. You get the perks. When you come down and talk to us, we set you up. It doesn't really matter what club you're, we're going to treat you like you're the top. They're already halfway there. It's really easy to go, oh, okay, that makes sense. And it's easier to carry 12 than six. (laughs) We put it in a nice box for you and we carry it out to your car versus multiple bags or a half-baked box that is flimsy. That's how you just talk to them about it. But that's part of that customer service. One of the things that we don't do is, and nothing against wine trail, wineries is they don't have that much time with the customer. An average customer that walks into the trail type, whether it's the Silverado trail or the Fredericksburg trail, they get an average of 45 minutes, if that, with the customer. They're coming in, they do certain tastings, they're moving on to the next one. Our customers aren't that way. They've come out there for an experience. They want to stay. They want to be a part of it. When you see it, I welcome both of you to come visit. We get the same thing. Wow, I did not know that this was out here. This is just different. Can I walk around with my wine? Can I hang out here? Absolutely. Now, people, I guess, again, spend hours. So it's a different customer than the typical winery that says, I turn these many people and I need to get you in. I have 45 minutes of focus. How do I get you to become a wine member? We're different than that. We are more country club style. 
Got it. So after a guest leaves, after they visit and they leave, how do you stay in touch with them? Getting them to come back sounds like a super important part, but what's the mechanisms that you use to stay connected? That has been probably one of our toughest challenges. If they buy wine, then we have them on our system. They basically fill out a form that's easy, you know, because now we have websites, we have emails, we have phone numbers, and it's an easy, hey, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're offering promotions. And even if they're not a wine club member, if they purchase wine, they go through this. If they didn't purchase wine and they just done a tasting or just had dinner, that's the hardest group to catch because how do we get them back? And we're still struggling with that, to be honest with you. We're still working on different methods. Cards are really good because one of the things that we have started saying to people is, hey, were you around at the shopping spree? Prime example. Or we did a Santa Claus with the kids and the kids got to write letters to Santa Claus and put it in a Santa Claus mail and Santa's like, oh my gosh, we didn't know about that. So, oh, okay, well, if you want, we don't bombard you, but our calendar update, if you want to be on that with us, just fill out the card and we offer that. So instead of it being a, we're going to hard sell you on buying wine from us, it is a, if you want to know the events that are happening with Flat Creek, do that. And we're seeing about a 50-50 on that. Some people are like, we're good. We'll look on your website. We know we can do that. The others are, yes, please do, because I don't go to the website. I don't check things. If I can just get a quick little email or a news flyer that tells me what's happening, we're just in Dallas. We love making weekends here. We're in Houston. We have family here, or we have a lake house here, but we don't always come in unless we know something. So those kind of groups we're still trying to play with. But if you've purchased wine, it's easy. Using the people that you've captured through purchasing and reservations and things like that, what percentage of people are doing repeat purchases or repeat visits? If they're in our wine club, clearly then they are, if they've joined that. If it's something that we've just said, hey, you walked out with bottles of wine, probably about 20 to 30% will email back and buy online. And those are because we've reached out and offered them packages. And prime example, back in the summer, we had a group of girls that came in and they were all white, you know, wine driven. And then before the holidays, we created like a little holiday package, a threesome. You had your Pinot Grigio, we had a Cuvée Blanc, which is a blend, and then we had a rosé package. On top of that, we had a bubbles, the three bubbles. And so those type, we reach out, we knew that you were white. Hey girls, we're having a white special. We knew you guys were just here in July. And out of the five that were there, three of them purchased. We wound up getting two or three of the whites. We had, oh my gosh, we have one that's a sparkling almond that everybody seems to think is cracked and love it. And so could we substitute that and send me, you know, a case of almond for the parties that are coming up? That would have never happened if we didn't capture them and remind them. I don't think so. Now they might've tried to go online and just ordered it, but those touch points where we get to reach back out and say, hey, we remembered you. It's not just a matter of, oh, okay, we know you buy white. We remembered you coming in. Because when we do that, we can look them up. So when we're looking at rolling out our reds, you know, let's say we're going to roll out a new red or we're going to do a special same thing we did here. We know you like our red. We know you like our Super Texan, which is a play on Super Tuscan. We have a blend and it's a Super Texan and it's won 400 and something awards. It's something crazy over the years and people love it. It drinks a lot like a Chianti. It's a very beautiful blend. And we have a Four Horsemen. The Four Horsemen is going to be a boulder. If we know you like those wines, right? And we know, 
Now it's another touch point and it makes people feel special. If someone reaches out to you and says, Peter, hey man, good to see you. I hope everything's going great. I know you loved our super Texan, man. We're going to have a special on this for the holidays. Stock up. Now, all of a sudden, we reached out to you personally. People love that. People want that touch point. And they go, oh, thanks for thinking of me. Yes. Well, you ship it. Now we've touched you again. Hey, come back to see us. Come back to the property. Those are the touch points. But that goes an extra step. It's harder to do that. Yes. But that's what gets people to Flat Creek versus just on any other winery. And here's what it is. We try to do that extra step that says, we remembered you. We remembered you and we want to see you again. But hey, this didn't go out to the world. This is going out to you. You want it? And so those are things that we have seen a progression of turning that next percentage. In the beginning, we didn't have the ability to do that. We were really just trying to get our hands around what we were doing. And now we can focus in on what works. What touch points can we do to reach back out? to that client that came to visit us and spent four hours at our property. We should remember them. They came out, they spent time, they bought wine. And so the others were still trying to figure out of how do we get them to fill out the card? Because <laughs> some don't, you know, some will just say, hey, we love it, it's great, but yeah, I don't want to give my email at this point. Here's the website, here's the card. You can find all the information on the website and you can order any of your delicious wines that you had here on the website as well. Thank you for sharing all this wonderful information. We like to wrap up each episode on a personal note. And we are curious, what was the most memorable wine you drank in the last year? And who did you drink it with? The most memorable wine I drank in the last year. Well, the last year has been focused on Flat Creek. I have not traveled much in the last year. But I will tell you, I may have to answer this question at a later date. I'm actually headed to Israel next week. And I am very excited. I've never had Israeli, I guess you call it Israeli wine. I'm not even sure what they call it. So I'll take a rain check and get back with you on this answer because I did some research and apparently there is some wonderful wineries. There are some wonderful wineries in Israel. So if you guys have any suggestions, I'm happy to take them and look them up because I have no clue. That will be my most memorable. Awesome. Sounds like an amazing trip. Again, thank you for sharing all this information about your approach to hospitality as you've now taken over Flat Creek Estate and really are shaping it to be a destination in the Texas Hills. Thank you guys for having me. It's definitely been a crazy adventure. Some of my friends said, have you lost your mind? (laughs) Stick to real estate and stay out of the wine business, but it's been fun. We're just getting started. So you guys will have to come visit. Don't forget to support the show at xchateau.com or patreon.com slash xchateau. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, cheers.